Welcome to Jonathan on Money, the personal finance podcast that brings you the latest insights and strategies to help you achieve your financial goals. I'm your host, Jonathan I. Shankman. On this podcast, we'll cover everything from investing, financial planning, retirement, and behavioral finance. I'll share advice and practical tips to help you make the most of your money. So whether you're just starting out or looking to take your finances to the next level, Jonathan on Money is here to help. Let's dive into this week's show. Welcome to this week's episode of Shankman on Money. This is episode number 27. When I was preparing for this episode, I was thinking about how 27 episodes is really a lot. Doing something weekly 27 times is tough. I've spoken about the importance of consistency before, but as I get further along my career, I appreciate it more and more. Some of the most rewarding work I have done has been accomplished due to consistency and the commitment to just keep showing up. This is true about the 25 webinars I run every year, publishing about once a week in various business publications, and podcasting once a week too. When listeners look back at their life or career and they have been consistent with something, whether it's related to work, family, learning Torah, physical fitness, finance, or anything else, You'll be very pro- you'll be very proud of what you've accomplished. That's my somewhat profound thought that I had this week. Uh, today, my talking points will continue my focus on the basics. This week, I will discuss the basics of financial planning. Like I say very often, if you understand the building blocks of investing in financial planning, you likely know what more than 90% of investors. All the fancy concepts are really just gravy. So this episode is good for all new investors and also for folks who want a refresher on the fundamentals. As always, I'll spend the last half of the episode answering listener questions. I'll also share an excellent quote. Well, it's more of a a short story about achieving our own personal Boca Raton, and I'll explain more about what that means a bit later. With that, let's jump into this week's talking points. So my talking points from two weeks ago discuss the basic of investing utilizing a birthday cake analogy, which I thought was helpful. This this, um, uh, week, I'll discuss the related topic of financial planning using a bucket approach, Hopefully, this will make the financial planning concepts more accessible and understandable to listeners. Ultimately, my goal is for folks to apply these important concepts more seamlessly to their own situation. Before jumping into the buckets, it's important to define the concept of financial planning itself. In short, financial planning is an ongoing process that evaluates a family's entire financial picture in order to create strategies for achieving their short and long-term goals. This means being more intentional about where you put each of your dollars to help you achieve your objectives. This process of efficiently managing your assets can help increase the likelihood of financial success. Now let's turn to the buckets. First is the short-term bucket. The cornerstone of financial planning is proper cash flow management. In plain English, this means spending less money than you make and always having ample cash cushion for a rainy day. So how, so how much money is needed in this rainy day fund or short-term bucket category? The answer really depends on personal circumstances, but three to six months worth of expense money is a good guideline. This necessitates evaluating your monthly expenses and allocating somewhere between three and six months, three to six times that amount in your checking account in case you need it for an unforeseen expense. Naturally, some people with a steady income may want to maintain less cash and others with more volatile incomes may want to have more cash on hand. Furthermore, folks who expect a near-term major financial outlay like down payment on a house, a bar and bat mitzvah, or an upcoming chasana will want to keep more cash on hand to pay for these near-term expenses. The last point worth mentioning in this category is how to invest these funds. 
Remember, the key with this money is that it should not fluctuate in value and it should be readily accessible in case of an emergency. This means the fund should literally be sitting in cash uh, or, uh, or money market account with a high level of liquidity. Money market funds pay approximately 5% in this market, but that won't last forever and wasn't the case for years. However, even if there are more attractive opportunities elsewhere, and there will be, it would, it would come with some level of risk. Getting the best return on this cash is not important. It's crucial that these funds stay safe and liquid. Next is the long-term bucket. In terms of importance, the long-term bucket is the next focal point. There are funds earmarked for decades in the future. They're being saved and invested to give you the option to retire at some point down the road. Most people don't want to work forever, and many people do not have the luxury of continuing to work as their health deteriorates with age. That's why saving for retirement is important. There are many wonderful tax advantage accounts to help investors save for retirement. This includes an individual retirement account or an IRA, a 401k through a for-profit company, a 403b for a not-profit organization, government plans, SEPs, simple IRAs, and more. Some employers may even contribute to their employees' retirement account, which makes saving for retirement more manageable. There are rules of thumb for retirement savings. Someone starting to save in their mid-20s or early 30s should allocate 10% to 15% of their income for retirement, including any employer match. If someone starts saving later in their career, this amount will necessarily need to be greater to meet retirement goals. From a tax perspective, many investors have both traditional and Roth option. Traditional account investment pre-tax funds, the money grows tax deferred, and then the investor pays tax when the funds are withdrawn. And Roth funds, on the other hand, the investor contributes after tax dollars the money grows tax deferred, and when the money is withdrawn, there is no tax paid. Determining the optimal strategy for you depends on your personal tax situation or retirement plans, so it's worth speaking to your financial advisor. However, the most important aspect of all is making sure that you're socking away enough money towards retirement and investing imprudently. The tax benefits are really secondary. And finally, there's the midterm bucket. Once the first two buckets are satisfied, some families may be in position to explore the midterm bucket. Not everyone has the luxury uh, or of having extra cash after monthly bills and emergency fund and retirement savings. However, many of the clients I work with do have surplus cash flow and aren't sure how to best allocate those uh, dollars to achieve their various other goals. The best solution is to invest these extra funds within a standard investment account. This account may be held individually, jointly, or within a trust. However, the common theme is that unlike a retirement account, there likely won't be unfavorable tax treatment, so the money should be invested in a more tax-efficient manner. It's important to note that multiple podcasts can be given just about how to be more tax-efficient with these funds, but we'll have to leave that for another time. These funds may be money that you want to access before retirement, meaning before 59 and a half, which is the youngest age that you can dip into retirement funds without a penalty. It should also be funds that you don't anticipate needing within at least five years so you can afford to take some risk to achieve higher returns. The key is structuring these investments based on your specific goals. Perhaps you want these funds to provide you with the flexibility to work part-time 10 years before your full retirement. Some clients plan to buy a vacation home and are investing towards that goal. Others want to leave a larger nest egg to their beneficiaries. There are an infinite number of options for how to position this money based on one's objectives. The one universal strategy that I emphasize to my clients is to automate the money going into this account. This means determining how much money you can afford to contribute every month and having those funds automatically moved from your checking account to be invested in this account. This prevents emotional decisions from entering into the process or spending these funds frivolously on things you don't actually need. 
The amount you automatically deposit can always be modified, but it's important to get started. One more thing I should mention is that not all financial planning fits within the three bucket framework. Some additional important items that every every family needs to discuss include life insurance, disability insurance, and long-term care insurance. Together, those can protect your bucket system and should, should assert and should certain unfortunate circumstances arise by ensuring you don't need to start liquidating your funds, which would derail you from achieving your goals. There are also other tax advantage accounts that should be explored if relevant. This includes 529 college savings accounts to save for higher education and health savings accounts or HSAs to save for healthcare expenses. Finally, estate planning should be part of every family strategy. This may come in the form of investing funds for, for beyond your lifetime to leave to loved ones or charity. However, it also comes into play with how you want your, your assets and affairs handled if you no longer or if you no longer well or living. To ensure your wishes are properly carried out, every person should have a will, a healthcare proxy, a power of attorney, and advanced medical directive. There are also corresponding halakhic documents for your estate plan. It's worth speaking with an attorney who's familiar with both the legal and halakhic aspects of these areas to ensure that you plan appropriately. For any listener who made who didn't uh, fast forward through this section and made it through the talking points, then congratulations to you. You now know more about financial planning than the overwhelming majority of your friends and fellow countrymen. The next step is putting it into effect. So don't procrastinate and get it done today. Okay, those are the talking points this week. As a reminder, you can be notified of all my recent articles, webinars, and all the other work I put out by publish by subscribing to my free monthly newsletter at shankmanwealth.com forward slash newsletter. Now for this week's quote, which is actually more of a little story rather than a good one-line zinger. It's from long-term, long-time Wall Street Journal personal finance writer Jason Zweig. Years ago, Zweig told a story in one of his articles about interviewing dozens of residents in Boca Raton, Florida, one of the wealthiest retirement communities in the country. He said, amid the elegant stucco homes, the manicured lawns, the swaying palm trees, the sun and the sea breezes, I asked these folks, folks, mostly in their 70s, if they'd been the market over the course of their investing lifetimes. Some said yes, some said no. Then one man said, who cares? All I know is my investments earned enough for me to end up in Boca. The takeaway here is simple. No one on their deathbed or deep in their retirement has ever regretted the fact that they didn't have better market performance or that they didn't outpace an arbitrary benchmark. The whole point of investing is achieving your financial goals, not beating the market. Understanding that goal before you start investing helps investors tune out the noise, stay focused on what's important. The key for all investors is to reach their own personal version of Boca Raton. Now let's jump into this week's financial questions. If you do have a question, feel free to submit it to me at jonathanashankmanwealth.com and it may be answered in a future episode. Okay, first question. There's been recession talks for the past two years. What happens if we are already, if we are already in a recession? So the public finds out that there was, a, was officially a recession only after it actually took place. The official def definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of decline in country's real or inflation-adjusted gross domestic product or the value of goods and services a country produces. If we're already in a recession, that is a good thing because it means it's closer to being over. Again, we won't know this until after the fact. So as long as you can pay your bills, have a, have a job, you're in very good shape. If you are also able to continue saving and investing, even better. Remember, when it comes to financial media and media in general, there's only a finite amount of information to share with the public. 
There's not something new to say every hour, or even every day. Sometimes there can be weeks without anything notable happening. Therefore, the talking heads will keep regurgitating the same stale headlines talking and talking points over and over and over again. Eventually, there will be a recession. We may already be in one, and there will definitely be one in the future. Fixating on it is not helpful. Just keep doing that thing you do, and don't focus so much on the recession. Next question, should I move cash to avoid this volatility and uncertainty? <clears throat> no, timing the market is not a successful investing strategy. If you're on the cusp of retirement or in the early stages of retirement, your portfolio should have been designed to have an adequate cash cushion. If you are young or have a long time horizon, then you don't need so much cash on the sideline. It's not a good long-term investment. It just, just make sure you have an adequate emergency fund and you should be all set. The folks that are going to be really hurt during this market are those that like the artificial feeling of safety and put too much of their portfolio into money market funds. They will end up missing out on the long-term returns of the stock market, which will meaningfully impact their finances. How should I reposition my portfolio given these nerve-wracking headlines? You shouldn't. Your portfolio should be set up to achieve your goals. It's not based on the latest news headlines. Stick with your agreed-upon strategy that you set up with your financial advisor from the onset and you will be fine. If you do decide to tinker around with your portfolio now, you'll be making a mistake and it will impact your finances unfavorably. Which investments are most concerned about right now? Or am I most concerned about right now? It's the same all the time. It's the stupid ones that people chase because they are trendy, but are actually very risky or not actual investments. You know, the ones, hard money loans, highly levered real estate, NFTs, Bitcoin, and the latest version of it. Shmuley's hedge fund that he started during a bull market and experienced attractive returns. So he didn't realize he wasn't actually a genius. And now he lost everyone's money and anything your brother-in-law suggests. As long as you stay away from gimmicky products, the latest fads, or highly leveraged esoteric investments, you'll be fine. All traditional asset classes move in cycles and will eventually go back. Just make sure you are not making overly concentrated bets. If you follow that framework, the worst case scenario is your investment should go down only temporarily. And tempor temporary may be a significant amount of time, but it's not forever. And will eventually go back up. Your money won't vanish and disappear if you're invested the right way. With the benefit of hindsight, what investment recommendations would you have made or what would you have done differently? This is a theoretical question, which is silly and not practical, a practical thought exercise. If I had the benefit of hindsight, I would have put all my money into Monster Beverage, which has experienced a higher return over the past 15 years than Amazon, a lot higher. Humans don't live with the benefit of hindsight. This is why we have diversified portfolios to ensure that we never have the worst investments, even though we will never experience the highest returns relative to other investment strategies. Diversification is always the right approach, even though it doesn't always feel that way. The best way to go through life is to lead a life filled with Torah and mitzvot, be nice to people, eat high caliber kakosh on Shabbos, and to maintain a diversified portfolio. If you do those things, you never need to second guess your, the myriad of other decisions that you've made in your life. You've already got 95% of it figured out. Next question. Given the market volatility and geopolitical situation, what is a smart financial decision I can make now? This may seem simplistic, but it's the correct answer. Instead of tinkering with your portfolio, just add more money as the market drops. It's a way to buy low. Many clients add money automatically, so this is done seamlessly. The strategy is called buy the dip. It works wonders, especially over a long time horizon. Another suggestion, which most people will ignore, is to minimize your news intake. It will just cause you to act emotionally with your investments. Again, negativity sells, but the country, but the country and the world at large are not in the sorry state that the talking heads would like you to believe. 
Things are tough now, but we'll get through it. I promise. The fact that you don't seem overly concerned is concerning to me. Shouldn't you be more worried? I'm a worrier by nature. That's why I plan ahead and take various scenarios into account before making any plans, financial or otherwise. It's why I printed three copies of my summer road trip itinerary after sending an email of the same itinerary to myself and to my wife. I said I'm a planner. I'm not trying to convince you that I'm normal. From a market perspective, the geopolitical events marked volatility and increase in interest rates don't worry me because the markets always play out the same way, just with a different set of characters. The headlines may be different. The people in the headlines may change over time, but the market will keep chugging away and will remain resilient over the long term. Is the stock market doomed for the next few years due to high interest rates? High interest rates are not correlated or indicative of future market returns. This is because when rates are low, chances are the economy is weak, and when rates are high, the economy is strong. The market may move up or down in either economic environment. It's confusing, but it's why you can't look at interest rates by themselves and determine where markets will go. That being said, if you keep holding your equities for the next 12 months, you have a 75% chance historically of being up. If you hold for three years, historically, you have a 90% chance of making money. If you could control your emotions and, and not do anything drastic like selling for no reason, time will ultimately heal, heal all wounds and you will make money. Do you think the 60-40 strategy is dead? Why or why not? No, it's not dead and it will never die. In the most market cycles, either stocks or bonds will do well. 2022 was an anomaly where both asset classes fell. Other Over the long term, having a 60-40 type of exposure will allow investors to achieve respectable returns with less volatility than the overall market. The biggest opponents of this tried and true approach typically have something to sell you in lieu of a 60-40 portfolio, like folks in the alternative investment space trying to sell you private credit funds to replace bonds. Remember, private credit and other alternative investments are not less volatile than stocks or bonds. They're just less liquid, so you don't seem to have see them move up and down every, every day. You could evaluate their risk-return profile and see if they are actually a good replacement for plain vanilla investments. They are usually not. Since the start of 2021, U.S. inflation has increased over 70%. At the same time, the Treasury Inflation Protected Security ETF has lost 8%. Why? People love asking me about tips. Many investors likely assumed that tips funds would do well in the high inflation environment. But similar to other bonds, tips have a sensitivity to interest rates. And while inflation has risen, so have interest rates, leading to short-term losses in these securities. Most people don't understand what they own. They just parrot what they hear on TV, Kiddish Club, or what their broke brother-in-law tells them. Here's the deal. When buying tips, people assumed it was the same as an I-bond whose principal value does not go down or fluctuate. Wrong. Tips fluctuate, which brings me to my next point. Not understanding your investments or how they work helps explain the persistence or persistently high gap between investor returns and fund products they are in. This People go in and out of investments because they get scared and don't understand the products they're in. This causes them to sell at inopportune times and they miss the upside of the investments they are in. For example, the past couple of years have not been good for the markets. It happens. Just relax, have a schnapps, and wait until things rebound. Eventually they will, unless you're invested in something that is ridiculous. Okay, that's it for financial questions this week. Feel free to email me with any questions you have, and I might answer them in a future episode. And with that, it's a wrap for this week's show. Any comments or questions, feel free to reach out directly to me via email. I love hearing from my listeners. And finally, the secret to financial success is no secret at all. To spend less than you make, invest the difference prudently, and ignore all the noise. 
See you next time on Shankman on Money. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. I hope you were able to take away a nugget or two to apply to your own life. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can be alerted whenever new episodes drop. If you'd like to submit a question that may be answered in a future show, please email me at jonathan at parkbridgewealth.com. Be sure to check out all Jonathan on Money content, including all my articles, webinars, and videos by following me at Jonathan on Money on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Finally, if you like what you heard today, please rate the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps ensure that other personal finance enthusiasts can find the show as well. Thank you and catch you on the next episode of Jonathan on Money.